Hello, and welcome to Rainy Day Diaries, an imperfect podcast that will dive headfirst into how you can thrive in your creative life and business, even if you struggle with mental wellness. I am your host, Jennifer Lynn, and as a longtime struggler of anxiety and depression myself, I hope this podcast will help you realize that you could still get stuff done when you deal with all these crazy things on a daily basis, that you're not alone, and that falling down does not mean you won't get back up again. I thank you so much for listening, and as always, if you have any suggestions or questions or topics you'd love to hear about, please email me at jenniferlynn at gmail.com. Thanks. Enjoy the show. On this episode of Rainy Day Diaries, I am interviewing Noan Wells, who has another mental wellness podcast that's awesome, and it's called Yumi Empathy, and podcast is similar to mine in the fact that we're raising awareness for mental wellness and body image issues and whatnot, and it's super awesome. So if you wanted to continue uh, interviewing, if you wanted to continue introducing yourself and then talk about what you wanted to be growing up and how that's correlating to what you're doing now. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, thank you again for having me, uh, Jennifer. Um, yeah, as, as she said, I, uh, I started the Yumi Empathy podcast. It's a, uh, yeah, it's about giving feely humans safe space to kind of be who they are. And, uh, I am there to just facilitate their story in a safe kind of fun, feely way. And, um, who I wanted to be when I grew up. Interesting. <laughs> I haven't thought about this kind of question in a while. Um, I, I think for a time I wanted to be a Ninja Turtle, but when I realized that wasn't possible, <laughs> I, I wanted to be a writer. Like I wanted to be someone who creates. I, I, I grew up uh, reading a lot of fantasy books And I read, you know, Calvin and Hobbes and I wanted to, you know, sort of explore. And I I was a big fan of novels uh, like The Call of the Wild and things. I was always drawn to stories that uh, there was a kid out in the woods sort of exploring on their own because that's kind of what I did a lot as a kid. I I was gone a lot and uh, all day long, you know, that's just kind of was my childhood. And uh, so... I think I wanted to write those types of stories growing up. And today I'm, I'm, I consider myself a writer. I'm a writer editor sort of in my day job. Um, and I write, you know, on my website and, and um, I just wanted to create uh, really, and to create um, stories and facilitate stories of, uh, of and for people of all backgrounds and all shapes and sizes and, and um, the great thing about storytelling, and then it's, this is related to my podcast, is stories are really uh, empathy machines. You know, like that's really what they are. They allow us to see uh, from different perspectives. They allow us to see um, and grow from different worlds and, 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 and different characters. And that's, that's what I love about stories. And that's what I love about the podcast and, and po- podcasting in general is you just get to meet so many amazing people and connect with them. And I, I learned so much through the process. Um, so you mentioned, well, first off, I want to say you could have been a ninja. You just couldn't have been the turtle part. That's fair. That's fair. You're right. I was, I was doubly limiting uh, on that, on that wish fulfillment. <laughs> I mean, there's so many different ways to be a ninja these days. So that's still a possibility for you if you want to detour. <laughs> I, I really appreciate your yes, Andy, and I, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> so before I started recording, you mentioned that you've been podcasting for eight years, but I know that you started your podcast around the time that I did. So what other podcasting were you doing before? And then was it similar to what it is now? Uh, so the podcast I did for four years prior to Yumi Empathy was called Joy Sandwich. And it was my wife and I, and it was just really about embracing joy. It was about giving people space to um, talk about their unique joys and what really brings them joy in life. And that that kind of the the whole purpose of that show was, yeah, to really kind of um, get into the emotions of joy and, and, and really be unabashed in the things that we like. Uh, and then before that, I, I tried to start and, and do some uh, podcasting with a current coworker of mine, Mindy, 
and it was um what was that called it was called nerds for hire <laughs> and it was a it was a show it didn't last very long and we were trying to do a, a variety of different shows but it was about um we were both freelance writers at the time and it was just about freelance creatives um and yeah like i said it didn't last very long it was very uh if you can find it i'm not sure you can but the audio quality was terrible and uh yeah so <laughs> that's my podcasting journey are you still doing the podcast with your wife? No, it, uh, it basically ended at the end of, um, 2017. And then I started Yumi Empathy January, 2018. I wanted to keep it going, but I, I, uh, I was running the ship there and then doing this. It was just too much, too much to handle. I totally understand. Yeah. It's a lot running a podcast. It is way more than people assume it is, but most things in business are and the yeah. being like they don't 500 other tasks, like, yeah. <laughs> not necessarily the ones you always want to do either. Exactly. The, the connecting part, like I can do that all day and the talking, but it's the, it's the, the editing and the show notes and the, yeah, all that sort of nonsense. That's, that's just time consuming. Yes. Very, very, very. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I found out this week that, we have someone in common and I actually started podcasting because of Pat Flynn and I found out that you kind of work with him. I don't know if you're allowed to talk about that. Can you talk about that? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. I can totally talk about it. Yeah. It's so exciting uh, to me. <laughs> well, it's, well, the, the fun thing about, so, uh, for the listeners, I, I was working, so I was a freelance writer, editor, and then I was doing some odd jobs and stuff with, uh, the aforementioned Mindy, who's a coworker and friend, and then my friend Matt, who's now one of my bosses. And we were doing lots of sort of freelance work. And and um, and one of those clients was Pat, uh, actually, early on. And then we formed a little agency called Winning Edits. And we were doing that sort of full time for two years. And Pat was one of our biggest clients. And one of, you know, we, we had been working with him for, I guess, four years or so. And then, um, and then at the beginning of January 2019, uh, Pat brought us in sort of as his full-time team. So now we're Team SPI, SPI Smart Passive Income is Pat's brand. And uh, Pat is just, um, you know, I have a natural and I think healthy skepticism for like online business type people and just business people in general. And um and that should say that should reflect good on Pat because Pat is like sincerely one of the sweetest people. He's very kind. He truly cares about serving people. And that's, that's why I kind of love working for him. So yeah. And right now I, I do all sorts of things for him. I write, I edit, I work on the podcasts that he does ask Pat, ask Pat and uh, smart passive income. And I work on his websites and landing pages and you know, all sorts of stuff. It's fun. That's so cool. So I'm really yeah. worried just like you and well, there's very few businessy podcasts that I listen to, period. I don't I find a lot of people that I, I I'm like, I don't know if I connect with you in real life. I don't know if I like you or want to learn from you. That sounds rude, but but there's something about him that like I like he was like I think the fourth podcasting person I like found like when I started Googling all my questions. Mm. And then I'm like I found a few others. I'm like, I don't know if I like you very much <laughs> or like how you're teaching me. Um, and then I found him and I, I've just been listening since even to shows that I don't necessarily need the knowledge of, but he just seems yeah. like a really genuine person. He is. And, and that's what I love about him because you're right. I think there is a, a, a weird, maybe not weird, but a, a tendency for people in business to, lead with their ego or have this outward sort of machismo or arrogance or something. And, and I have no patience for any of that. And, and Pat is the opposite of that. He's, he's, he's a big nerd. He loves his family. He really cares about people. He's a silly guy like he, and he's super smart, you know? And so I'm, I'm really proud to work with him. That makes me so excited. Yeah. So I have a habit. It's not a habit. It's a, uh, I've won a lot of Instagram contests. Like for some reason, really? I don't know. Yeah. I've won a calendar every year for the last four years. I won okay. like an enormous box of candy from Smarties. Like I've won books and I've won so many random things. It's crazy. And I won um, a book and some other stuff from him. 
like while I was pregnant and it arrived like as we were, op- I opened the door to go to the hospital to have my son and was sitting on the doorstep. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, I'll figure out when I could read this. Like, <laughs> yeah. I Serendipity. Still read it. But I think I read it when which, he was, is it, which book? Will Let Go or Will no, Fly? Like, yeah. Yeah. It was like right when it came out and he's like, if you comment on this YouTube video, then maybe, and then I forgot about it. And I'm like, that's interesting. Like, so it was good. I got to read it when the baby was like newborny, but not, it's hard to read books now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, I hear that. <laughs> transitioning back to you. Um, <laughs> so you started off wanting to be a Ninja Turtle. And then I'm curious kind of what led you to being a writer and then what led you to kind of be doing what you were doing now. Wow. It's, it's a long story. So my friend Mindy says like, says this about me. Um, She's always, she's never surprised that I, so I always like mention weird jobs I've had in my, in my life. And she's like, yeah, that doesn't surprise me because the truth is I've, it's been a long and sort of windy road. I've had various jobs. I've worked in landscaping. I was a commercial salmon fisherman. I, I was, I boxed batteries in warehouses. I was a lifeguard. I, um, just all sorts of weird campground manager. I, I, I've just done so many different jobs, but the sort of start of it, I guess I got a degree in English literature, you know, sort of my, my love of reading and, and writing and, and, uh, and then I moved to New York City right after college, and uh, with the with the sort of romantic aim to, you know, write the next great American novel. You know, it's a little punk American, you know, kid trying to trying to do uh, his thing. Of course, that didn't work out, and I I got a job <laughs> uh, selling insurance, which That's almost was the same thing. Yeah, it's basically <laughs> the same thing. Totally. Uh, it was the worst. Uh, I hated it so much and I quit and I had, you know, some money saved up at that point. And so I just decided to basically not work for the rest of the time I was in New York. I was there for like two years and I just bumped around New York and wrote a ton and just did a lot of self-exploration and read a lot and drank a lot. I, I you know, was, was trying to kind of channel, uh, you know, Bukowski and you know Hemingway and all these all these people, um, but um, that eventually led to like one of my sort of out out after college like real jobs, uh, longer term jobs was um, I worked for a company that is now defunct. It was an online advertising company, and I was just a I was a copywriter, and I wrote like ads for sort of online businesses, and. Uh, I was there for about four years. And since then, it's been sort of like basically up until the job I have now, it was me working in a writing or editing or some sort of creative marketing capacity for various different environments, school and finance and um, like higher ed, a bunch of different environments, just writing and editing. And then um, I got to winning edits and this job and now I work from home and it's flexible and they support, you know, Yumi empathy. They love, you know, that we have these side passions, you know, that we want to make full-time passions. They love that and support that. And, um, so it's been a long time to get to that point, but I'm pretty grateful that I'm there now. Well, if you're able to at least make it with a decent income with freelance writing, then you're kind of a rock star because it's really hard. Like freelance is hard, like to gathering enough clients and potential work. And Oh, I, I'm not saying I did it well. Like I, <laughs> I struggled mightily and eventually had to get a full-time job because I, I was a good writer and editor, but to the point you made about creative being the same as selling insurance it's not. So like me going out and like selling myself was, was and me being an introvert and trying to sell myself on top of that was just, it was, that was always super difficult for me. So that's an interesting question is that as an introvert, do you still find it hard to sell yourself through your computer? Like I find it sometimes easier. It's still scary, but I find it easier to like approach people through the internet versus like mm-hmm. approaching people in real life. Uh, 100%. Uh, my wife always makes fun of me. Um, 
any loving way uh, <laughs> that I have more sort of real connections with people online than I do in person. And that's absolutely the case because there is a, there's a protection there. There's like a protective layer, you know, a little bit. And when it comes to connecting with people online, it's a lot of times me using my words, which I'm confident in my words on the page, right? Whether I'm writing a DM via Instagram or sending someone an email or something like I have more confidence in that than I have with engaging with someone face to face, you know? Almost all of my closest friends I think I met on some form of the internet. At this point in life, it's probably mostly Instagram. Uh-huh. Like, I don't think I had, I don't know how old you are, but I'm assuming you're around my age. Uh, I'm 37. I'll okay. be 38. A couple months. Almost happy birthday. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I'm 35. So we okay. got a computer in 20, not 20, in 1996. And I don't think I had any real friends yet. I had one friend. But I met a lot of people on the internet, and I'm still friends with some of those people today. Like, Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Thank God for the internet. I mean, there's lots well, of scary, terrible things, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, it is, uh, as my friend Justin likes to say, it's the second best invention behind penicillin, um, which, is, uh, which is true. Well, and the cool thing about like early internet, and um, I think I remember having a, uh, we getting a computer around that time as well. I, I, must, I was a freshman in high school in 96, I think. And, uh, yeah, those like early sort of core, like AOL groups and stuff, like mm-hmm. very sort of focused groups. Like it makes sense that, that we'd sort of connect with people on deeper levels. Well, it was really, especially being an adolescent, like it's even, it's hard as an adult meeting people, but I feel like it's even harder when you are trying to figure out yourself completely and you feel kind of like vulnerable and guarded at the same time. And yeah. it's easier to meet people who you might not know. I don't know. Well, and in, in nowadays, and I wonder if you can relate to this, nowadays, for me, when I'm connecting with people, it's couched in um, this mission of mine, which is like the mission of you empathy, you know, uh, mental health awareness and, and vulnerability and empathy and, and emotional wayfinding. So um, going into it, I already have like these um, this context that people can latch on to. It's not just, hey, this is me and I have to prove myself to you. It's like, hey, I have this community. I have this these ideas behind me that are universal. Do you find that before you had this particular podcast that it was still a little bit harder? Um, I think it was harder before I had this podcast, honestly, because, you know, for instance, like enjoy sandwich days, like... <laughs> That's a harder, it's a more, that's a more, I guess, a amorphous idea. It's, it's a lot, it's not, it's not as specific as Yumi empathy is, I guess. And honestly, I think I'm just, while, while I'm very much passionate about joy and about seeking joy, I, the, the mental health awareness and empathy and vulnerability, emotional wayfinding, these are elements of the podcast, but they're also elements of my own personal journey that have, that have really saved my life. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're at the core of who I am and what I want to do in the world. No, for sure. There's like two questions in my head. Um, do you find that since you started this podcast, you've made more friends that have similar characteristics that you have? Yes. Totally. Because yeah. you're seeking it more. Like, yeah, I'm seeking it out there. I'm being, well, in the, 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 one of the core tenets, I, I keep mentioning vulnerability. With vulnerability comes people who also want to be vulnerable mm-hmm. and, 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 or inspires others to be vulnerable and, and relate to my story. Um, I had a woman reach out to me this week, and I'm going to post it about it on social media this week, but, um, she reached out and basically said, I, I heard your story on the mighty a few months ago. And, um, my young son was struggling, you know, was struggling at school. People were calling him fat and slow. And, um, through your podcast, through listening to your story, talk about your, you know, your eating disorder and all this stuff. Like we've been able to talk about his own struggles and, and, um, 
and like she went into greater and and much more beautiful detail but it just like that is what i want in the world like that is why i do the podcast to to allow not that like sharing my story is like the greatest story but it's 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 about connecting with people and meeting them on uh, a level that's heart focused and and about um yeah really connecting and relating and and using our like using my own sort of trials and foibles and 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 negative experiences and positive experiences using those as a way to say hey maybe you can relate to this you know we're not alone in this um and and if i can reach one person and they can find some value in that and maybe see from a different perspective or or allow their 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 kids to see like that's that's so amazing and it makes me so happy. Yay. Yeah. Huh. That's like one of my tagline things too, is like, I want people to know they're not alone and there's like no such thing as perfection. And yeah. yeah um, absolutely. So, so I know that you struggled with your eating disorder when you were, you were a teenager, right? The end of teenagerhood. Late teens, early twenties. Yeah. Do you feel like, so did that develop mentally earlier than that? Like what were your teen years like and how did that kind of start? Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Um, I mean, in retrospect, I could say it probably certainly started before that, but I was for sure it did. So I, I've only like kind of learned in retrospect through many years of therapy and, and musing about this is I was a pretty depressed kid and I had a lot of anxiety. I had undiagnosed and untreated depression, and that manifested in uh, me essentially just kind of being very quiet and very sensitive, and and the environment felt very violent. You know, my father was very violent. It felt very scary to me. So, like, my survival tool was to kind of go inward and, and just kind of hide myself and protect myself as best as I can. And so in that space, um, when you're shut down in that way, there's no growth. There's no, you're not allowing yourself to think about the emotions you're processing. You're not even allowed to voice it. I didn't feel safe enough to voice those emotions or feelings. And so, um, you know, it's really stunted adolescence, right? It's really stunted growth. And so once I was sort of in my later teens or, or early teens that manifested in some anger. And I was a pretty, you know, I started drinking at 13, for instance, like, and doing drugs and things like that. Not really drugs. Like I smoked pot. Um, but you know, and, and there was some anger there and I was kind of a, I was a skateboarder. And so I was very sort of anti-establishment and all that stuff. And, and, uh, and I was a skateboarder because I wanted to be away from the house. I actually watched an amazing documentary last year, uh, came out last year called Minding the Gap. And um, it's about three kids growing up in uh, you know, uh, Illinois, outside of Chicago. Forgot someplace in Illinois. Anyways, it's about uh, their sort of life. They're all skateboarders. And, and it also gets into sort of, uh, domestic violence and, and sort of father-son relationships. It's really beautiful and it really kind of connected with me in a, on a deep level. But the point of that is I yeah had that in me. I had that anger because when you're dealing with depression, a lot of times like when you don't know it and, and I didn't know it, it, it does come out as anger. It can be seen as anger, anger you know? And so Eventually, all of those sort of unchecked and un, unfettered and unseen sort of struggles that I was experiencing, um, yeah, manifested in me feeling a bit out of control. And I was, I've always been a helper type. And so my parents had a pretty terrible relationship. And um, so I was trying to mediate their marriage, which didn't go well. <laughs> Uh, of course, like how can you expect a, a 18 year old kid to try to mediate a parent's marriage? And so, uh, but I did and I tried and it was kind of back and forth and mom would cry on my shoulder and dad would yell about mom and I'd go back and forth and it, it, it was really hard and, and I felt very out of control. And so 
um, the control sort of element came into the sort of eating disorder. I, um, you know, I felt out of control. And so I used food to kind of control as best as I can what I could. Um, and that, that's kind of how it started. There's very few things that we could completely control. And so that's, yeah, it was easy when I had my eating disorder, it was easy to be like shunning myself with the food I was eating. It's her like, mm here you go. You will have these things because you are terrible and you overate, which didn't mean very, I didn't eat very much when I overate, but um, it was easy. That was like an easy box to contain. Like it is, you're right. And I didn't know uh, you've struggled with an eating disorder. Um, It is a box. Like, I think that's a good analogy. It's, it's just a way to, um, because you're right there in the reality is like, we really don't have much control uh, in life. And, and, but when you're not, when you don't have that self-awareness yet, it can feel so overwhelming. And so you control things like your food or, or, you know, you exercise too much or, or whatever it may be. You just like take things to extremes to try to regulate something, you know? Yeah. When did you, um, so I know you said like the eating disorder started to get, well, blooming, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is a horrible word for something bad, but um, around 18. So then what did the journey kind of look like from there? And then how did that lead to like where you are now? Oh boy. Uh, so <laughs> I, uh, so the, the, the moments that I always talk about when it comes to my, uh, anorexia specifically is the eating disorder I struggle with. And with that journey is I was a freshman in college and, um, I, uh, the summer between freshman and sophomore year, I, I drove to Alaska to work on a, a salmon fishing boat as, as a fisherman. People do. As yeah, as normal people do, you know, um, I didn't say normal. I said most. As most. Yes. As most. Uh, that's fair. Well, I, so I had always heard like I had a friend and I went up there with my friend Pat and, and, um, uh, I heard you can go up there and like make lots of money, you know, you can like, and of course, like I was struggling at that point and I was starting to struggle a bit. And, you know, I think that was another sort of not another, that was a, uh, a way to kind of run away from it, try to ignore it a little bit. And so I went to Alaska, I worked and it was brutal. It was brutal work, like the most brutal work. I, I, you know, we'd work for 40, 50 hours at a time without water or food. It was, it was, it was really hard. And, um, after that experience, I was pretty emotionally and physically drained and I started losing more weight. And then I decided to take my first, semester off of my sophomore year in college to, as I sort of told myself then to care for my mom. Like, so I, I moved in with my mom for those six months. I just, you know, spent every day with her and my mom is, um, a very active person and she was always a, uh, an aerobics instructor and like a boot, you know, she's like, you know, she's like 66 and she's ripped, you know, um, and so I would like take her aerobics classes and then I would also run 15, 20 miles at a time. And I started to eat less and less and I started to wane. And then at the end of that experience, being very isolated, my mom lives out in the country, very isolated, no one else around, just me and my disordered eating and disordered thoughts. I decided to run away again and go uh, study abroad in Wales, Swansea, Wales, which is right on the sea. Um, like I'm, I think back at that decision, I'm just like, cause I was debating between Australia and, uh, Wales. And I think I would have fared better in Australia cause there was sun there was, and it would like in, in Wales, it was just cold and wet and rainy and I was dwindling away. And so I, I just, that's kind of where it got worse, the, the worst. And uh, I don't have to get into all the gruesome details, but I, I, I dropped down to 118 pounds. Um, uh, it was very painful. Hair would fall out. You know, I had suicidal thoughts. 
the doctor eventually said, you know, your heart's going to stop unless you do something. Cause I was very sick. And, uh, I eventually did like physically I did. I was able to put food into my body, like just on as like on my own, um, on my own. And, and, um, it was hard. Like it was super hard, but the emotional piece took much longer to figure out. So I would, I, you know, I was 22 at that point. It took another, you know, six years or so emotionally to kind of like sort of come to terms with all of that stuff. And, uh, so that was the next six years or so was therapy and, 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 um, eventually getting my depression diagnosis and, and actually talking about this stuff with people and writing about it a lot. And, um, and, uh, yeah, and that eventually led to Yumi Empathy and then there's sort of this, this platform that I feel, so I feel like I wouldn't have lived if I hadn't changed my heart. Like, obviously there's like, my heart would have literally stopped, like my physical heart, but like changing my heart, meaning I needed to accept my own emotions and be aware of them and start looking at them and understanding what's going on. Um, because up until that point at 22, I was doing none of that. And so I had to change my heart and started doing the emotional wayfinding that I needed to do to, um, save my life and get healthy. And that's kind of, and that's why Empathy exists because I know the power of those, the vulnerability, the empathy, the emotional wayfinding. I know those powers and how, how life affirming they are and how life saving they, they can be. And so, uh, yeah, that's what brings me kind of to, to today. So uh, you've mentioned a few times accepting yourself and finding your way and like changing your heart. So I'm curious, like, was that just based in like therapy to help you kind of switch or was that like, what did the soul searching kind of look like? in your perspective? Oh, it's, I mean, first of all, there's no one right way to do it. And I think, um, I would say for all of us, it probably takes a variety of different avenues and modalities to explore because for me, it was trying out different therapists. It was going through the the pain of like realizing, okay, this therapist is not good for me. But to get to that point, you have to experience a therapist who's not good for a while. And then you realize, okay, cause you know, with, um, for me at least with disordered eating, with my sort of history with depression, I've always had self-esteem issues and, and feeling like I don't deserve anything or love of any kind. And so, um, being able to like say I have agency and choosing like, Hey, you know what? I'm not hurting your feelings, professional therapist by saying, Hey, you know what? I don't think you're right for me. And so I had to go through that process, finding the right therapy, uh, finding the right medication, you know, for my depression. Uh, that's, that's a journey in and of itself. That's very difficult. And a lot of writing, um, and a lot of vulnerability, and, and certainly stumbles along the way, you know, um, you know, it's not, it's not a linear path. It's a pretty stumbly, fumbly kind of achy path. Uh, but, but, you know, as long as I think we lead with our hearts and we stay true to ourselves and we, we seek to understand ourselves, I think we can get through it. So it sounds like, parts of our upbringing were similar as far as like our parental yeah. units and our feelings. Did okay. you, um, do you, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you do, but do you consider yourself now like a hypersensitive person? Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Because part it's, my, of, it's my superpower, right? <laughs> sensitivity girl and sensitivity yeah. boy. So do you consider, I know we haven't talked about the podcast yet and we are going to lead into that, but I, I have one more question about like change of life. So I can pinpoint a couple like wake up moments, like 
the first, like what I read that like made me ask my parents for help when I was like severely depressed, like having really bad thoughts. And then I remember like that wake up moment. And I'm curious if when the doctor told you like your heart might stop, if that was like your wake up moment or if like other, like, did you have other people supporting you at the time? Like, did they give you a wake up moment or? Yeah, that was definitely one of the wake up moments. Uh, but I've had, I've had many of them. Um, and I, I needed more than one of them. I think I, you know, um, that was one of them. I think, you know, finding the right therapist was one of them. Certainly like the moment you connect with a therapist is such a beautiful moment. You're like, Oh, I am being seen. I am being seen and, and, and connecting with the right people, you know, like finding, uh, certainly, you know, meeting my wife was a wake up moment for me. Like I was still pretty lost and, and sort of wayward when I met her and, um, she's allowed me and, and giving me space to kind of really explore who I am. And it's, I, I'm forever, forever grateful for that. Um, other moments, like I'll never forget, like I, I, I was maybe a couple of years into recovery and, uh, still pretty thin. And I, I, I was a soccer player for most of my, most of my sort of childhood and, and young adulthood. And I went to like an alumni soccer game at my old high school. And I remember after the game, my old coach saying to me, um, you know, you should, you should just go eat a sandwich. And that was a um, sort of a light bulb moment for me because I think it spoke on a couple of levels. One, well, first of all, my initial reaction was like, what a dick. You know, my first reaction was like, how dare he? But, but the two things that like in retrospect, thinking about that is one, there's a lack of knowledge there, right? He doesn't, he just, he, he doesn't know what to say. Maybe he has a lack of information. Maybe um, he's scared, right? Maybe there's some fear there. And so that's one element. The other element is um, just the importance of holding space for people and really meeting people where they are. And so the, that was a light bulb moment in the sense that like, it's so important that we as humans, if we are truly going to connect with each other, and I think that's the purpose of life is connecting with humans. If we are truly going to do that, we really need to meet people where they are, see them, really see them and listen to them and, and really seek to understand what's, what's going on with them and, 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 and learn and, and develop the language. Like I think, when it comes to mental health awareness, education is a super important part of it because without it comes, comes the ignorance and, and mm-hmm. with the ignorance can come um, fear and, and, and that can breed stigma and, and things like that. So those, that was a, that was a big, big moment just in terms of like how I look at my own sort of work when it comes to uh, building awareness around mental health. Also, the ignorance and like the comments, which I'm sure he didn't, people don't always mean as like a malicious thing. It's more of like a completely saying the wrong thing thing, but like in a different state of mind that could have like really affected you in a negative way or like. Absolutely. um, It could have been very triggering and, and, and really kind of sent me down a spiral Mm -hmm. for sure. So I'm curious when you met your wife during all this, I met her, um, so we met in 2007, um, so that was, you know, close to 12 years ago now, and uh, I was still very, so one of the remnants of my childhood, I mentioned, you know, me being very guarded, and sort of, I, I called it my heart guard, and I, I, that was sort of my protection, right, but that ultimately started not serving me like when I was an adult and I would try to have relationships with people romantic or otherwise and I wouldn't give an inch right I wouldn't allow anyone in and that was that was hard for a lot of people and I I feel I feel regret for that because I I think I um I lost a couple of relationships that could have been like beautiful friendships for instance um and so when I met Jessica, I was still 
very much trying to break out of that and and even trying to explore my sort of life ethos really like i was i was raised in a a very um conservative christian home and i started to rebel against that in my late teens but i didn't really know what that looked like or it was really i think um even more just like a singular focus of like I don't want to be like my dad. I don't want to be around my dad. You know, that type of violence and arrogance is disgusting and wrong. Like that was sort of the focus for me. And the religious piece of it was just like, oh, this is part of me. I, you know, I, you know, in retrospect, I realized I didn't take it too seriously. But when I met Jessica, I was still sort of confused because it was still part of my identity, right? In a weird way, because it, it has always been part of my life. And so, that piece of it, the heart piece, the religion piece, like were, were pieces that I really needed to break out of and, and uh, figure out on my own when it comes to just in terms of my own identity, you know, because I think when it comes to mental health, when it comes to relationships, like self-awareness is so important. Like, I think that's the first part uh, of empathy because self-awareness leads to uh, empathy toward ourselves. We have to be able to do that before we're able to do that uh, with others. Yeah. Because when I met my husband, I was 19 and, and he was 20. Um, and we didn't date. I liked him for seven years, but we didn't date for seven years. But when we started dating, it was like I was deep in my depression. and We had to learn how to communicate with like a somewhat mm. healthy person and like a really broken person. Yeah. And then it kind of now we're in a place where like I'm very grateful, like I didn't know he was an anxious person too until we got married, which is really funny because mm. he's so calm and chill and like, <laughs> but he's not in here. Um, yeah. So I'm kidding. And you had to learn how to communicate again. And then when you have a baby, you have to learn how to communicate again. So I'm curious, like, I know everyone has flaws and hers and your, you know, and they might be different. And how communication went when you were like really struggling first, like what you're, then how did that communication kind of like evolve? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good question. Um, you know, early on in our relationship, it was, you know, like with any sort of new relationship, you're 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 kind of you're putting on a show a bit, right? You're peacocking. You know, you want to like put <laughs> your best self forward or whatever that means. But when you're trying to put your best self forward and you don't know what your best self is yet it can kind of be messy. And so I remember getting into uh, some arguments with uh, Jessica, my wife early on about just about politics and religion. And, and it was so dumb, you know, in retrospect, it was so dumb because we were clearly aligned philosophically, but I had all this like weird baggage and I was fighting against it because it was scary, right? Even that's the thing about like identity is like I was raised in an environment where you know religion was a thing or whatever, and uh, I have nothing against religion, by the way. Um, but it was a thing in my life, and I think the the brand of religion I was raised in, I think, is not right. I, it was very, um, I feel, anti-human, and um, so when you're raised in that environment, it's around you all the time. Even though you don't agree with it, it can still be hard to leave it behind because, you know, it's a, it's a, it becomes part of your identity, whether you want it or not. And so that took some time. And so talking about it was, was messy. It was really messy and I didn't have clear ideas about it. Like, and, and, you know, and it took, Oh boy, lots of writing, lots of reading. You know, I read every philosophical text and religious text imaginable and just lots of just inward looking, you know, before I was able to really kind of talk openly about it with, with Jessica. Um, but she was always so gracious and, and, and welcoming and allowed me to really kind of fight tooth and nail in that sort of philosophical battle I was having. Um, and, and, and today, you know, that communication is, is great. Like communication for us is like the foundation of it is 
we are both very open with each other. We're both very vulnerable. When I'm struggling with my depression, I talk, I tell her, you know, I say, hey, you know what, I'm struggling right now. And I'm going to need to be home for this event or whatever, you know, and we're both very accommodating and caring because, you know, she struggles with anxiety too. And, um, and, uh, so it's, uh, it's good. It's good. But yeah, communication is so huge. And I think vulnerability is an important part of that. And communication is so hard because especially when you're young and you're like trying, yeah. you're trying to learn how to communicate with a person, but then life shifts make you learn how you can't make you learn how, but make you force you to learn how to communicate in another manner. Yeah. Um, yeah, totally. It is hard. It's very hard. And it takes a lot of trial and error, mm-hmm. you know, and then, and sometimes um, that can be too much for people, but it does take a lot of, like, I, I do find that, that even though I've had, even though experiences have been difficult and maybe traumatic from the times, like, I don't, I'm not, um, like, I'm not sad that I've gone through those things because I've, I've gleaned so much in them and I've learned so much about myself in them. And I think that is the beautiful silver lining of like trauma or just struggles that we all experience is like, the reality is that we do, if we're open to it, we can learn so much in the moment and then after, after, you know. I feel the same way. I mean, I kind of feel like, not that I would want to go through all the bad stuff I've gone through so far, but like, it's why I do what I do. Like, I don't yeah. want anyone else to have to go through what I've gone through. So absolutely. if I can help someone not have to go through an eating disorder or help someone not be, have some of the bad thoughts or right in their day, then I'm doing what I'm supposed to do in life. Yeah. That's the greatest gift that we as humans can give others is like, we're taking our experiences and we're, we're using them for good. We're allowing others to see that they're not alone and, and maybe they're, they're on a different path and they're early on in their sort of journey. And maybe we can guide them in another direction. That's, that's awesome. That's amazing. I love that. So your podcast started when? When did you? January 2018. Okay. I'm trying to think. So it was just like a couple months before mine. So we were literally like planning and chipping away, like at the same exact time, like planning, like we're going to save the world with our mental wellness podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I, yes, we were planning at the same time. I would say that like I, as much as it is very much about, giving people space and, and giving that space that I felt I didn't have. It's also so beneficial for me. Like, I love it. I get so much out of it and I, I learn so much from my guests. And so it's, it's not entirely, I mean, there's a bit of self-interest there, you know? I guess I kind of like, I wanted to focus completely on mental wellness and like mm-hmm. depression and anxiety, like, and help people like, I don't know. And I have done that. But at the yeah. same time, I feel like I, because of it's turned, it, it's been like, we talk about, I feel like I put myself in a box and I'm just mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm going to talk about these like seven things, mm-hmm. like depression, mm-hmm. anxiety, eating disorders, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm like, oh, but this story is really important. Like, so one of my guests coming on is talking about like the foster care system. And I'm like, but that's not about mental wellness, but it is about mental wellness because you're helping the mental wellness of the children and like it's very mental wellness involved like mentally involved to adopt and like raise children but yeah. i like i had so much trouble like being like no my podcast is about this specific thing like i can't i don't know i i hear what you're saying and i i think maybe initially i was struggling with that same thing but the reality is everything's connected to, to mental wellness to use your phrasing it really is um, like I'm, I'm, you know, I just had someone on, uh, recorded, uh, today, earlier today, uh, an author who works in business and he wrote this book called artificial empathy. And it's all about like bringing empathy into the business world. We didn't so much talk about his mental health journey. We really talked about how we bring empathy into the world, which of course like impacts mental health. Like, I just want to, like, I think I don't like nowadays, I just want to 
put forth the ideas that empathy and vulnerability and the inward seeking and all these stuff is so valid and important and whatever you're struggling with, like can benefit from these things, you know? And so I just want to have real conversations with people and that's what you're doing too. Um, I would just encourage you to like break open that box, get out of the box. (laughs) (laughs) So many boxes. So many boxes. (laughs) Let's break all of them. (laughs) Yes. Let's do it. And I'll make a house. (laughs) For cats. For cats. We will not be allowed in the house. (laughs) (laughs) So what is next for you? I'm curious, like, do you have like a long-term, I'm new to podcasting, you're not, but I don't know if, I don't think a podcast could be like the only thing you do, but I'm wondering if like your dream involves like doing other things revolving around your podcast. Like some people go on and have like, conferences or like I'm just curious what you see for this business venture and like where you hope it takes you yeah well first of all I've never used the word business venture in in describing what (laughs) empathy is Uh, but (laughs) it technically is it is you're right and uh, (laughs) I appreciate that you've used it for yours um, but I, 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 I take that because I think that maybe I should, because the reality is I do want to do more, uh, than a podcast. Like I will always want to do the podcast, but lately I've been, um, I've actually been working on a business plan. Um, and I won't get into too many details, but it involves, um, doing the same type of work and promoting and instilling empathy and vulnerability and emotional wayfinding through various modalities, uh, workshops being one of them online and in person retreats being one of them. Um, uh, I want to do a storytelling series uh, on empathy and, and mental health. I, I want to create educational toolkits for classrooms and teachers. Uh, I want to, I want to, just I want to do more public speaking you know on this stuff and as an introvert that's terrifying to me but I I I find that I could talk about this stuff better than really anything because it's so important to me so I just want to do more and I want to I want to really get myself out there so one of the ways is trying to start a business so that's kind of what I'm working on now it's still very much in process and there's no timeline but that is really my goal. I'm not a business person, so it's very scary, but I'm passionate about it. And I, I think this stuff is very life changing. And the best part about having a podcast, and I'm sure you can relate to this is you meet so many amazing people and very talented people and what they do. Like I've met, you know, Lindsay Mack who does tarot for mental health, you know, and Janet Fouts, who like is a mindfulness expert and, and yoga therapists and, and all these amazing people in the field of mental health that, that, uh, that I've started talking to about this business idea and they're all very excited about it and want to be a part of it. So like, that's the great thing about podcasts is you kind of are building a network as you're connecting with guests, which is a great thing. So yeah, to, to your, to your question, the simple answer is like, I just want to keep growing and, and challenging myself in different mediums to put the message out there about the importance of empathy, emotional wayfinding and vulnerability. So when you, it is a business venture. Uh, I grew up in like a business household. So like, okay. I have like, obviously like everything I'm doing is like, I do passionately, but at the end of the day, like my dream in life is to like help support my family while doing yeah. what I love to do. Yeah. Um, but you listed so many things just now and you made me really overwhelmed. <laughs> and <I'm curious>. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, which one do you want to do first? <laughs> That's a really good question. Well, I, I've also been thinking about with, um, with a friend of mine who was on the show with, who's on Yumi Empathy, Bryn Woodley. I've been thinking about a product line as well. Um, and and so part of our sort of idea is to launch with um, 
not all of that stuff I mentioned, because that you're right, would be too overwhelming and, and oh too God, much. Oh my God, I'm so anxious. Like- <laughs> yeah, it would be it would be too much. And so uh, our idea is to probably, you know, and I don't know when we're going to launch it, but launch at some point, maybe a dozen products we're thinking about, and then a couple of workshops, and then sort of build from there and kind of try to try to build it slow to get to a point where and the workshops we'd launch with are probably be online and then eventually build to a place where we can do in-person workshops in businesses and schools um and then you know from the workshops from that model build out what the retreats would look like and the storytelling series but that would come that would come later i'm curious as an ancient ancient gosh anxious <laughs> as an anxious person um does kind of building and thinking about the business give me anxiety Golly. anxious person <laughs> i'm so sorry oh well so well yeah the part that makes me really anxious is like the marketing part of doing all these different types of things and like one of the biggest struggles I think I've had mm-hmm. since doing the podcast is like I wanted to make it a separate entity, but the same entity because it, everything I do is related to wellness, like encouraging others. And um, yeah, but for like my podcast birthday, I created like another like an Instagram for the podcast. I'm like, it's time for it to have its own Instagram. And I'm like, but everything I do is related to this thing. So like, how do I separate like what I post on each? Um, and I'm curious, like, would everything be under like the Yumi and the umbrella or like, does it make you anxious to be like, Oh, we'll start this with this name and then we'll market that separately. And then we'll make this with this name and then market that separately. Cause they're all related to the podcast, but they're probably not all related to the podcast. Right. Well, the business name, and I won't share that here cause I, I don't want, I don't want that getting public yet. I can share offline. Okay. Uh, but, <laughs> um, that will be a different name. And so I've thought about like, you know, what that would look like for Yumi Empathy. And, and maybe that just means the, um, you know, it's Yumi Empathy sponsored by this name, mm-hmm. right? Or, you know, this name presents Yumi Empathy podcast, you know, something like that. Or maybe it's just changed to the business name entirely. Like, I don't know yet. I'm still looking at that. But you're right. I, I, I guess, you know, that that is definitely, a, it could be an anxiety riddled conundrum to think about um because i don't i personally don't like having to manage like 10 social media profiles or something you know like i don't want to do that you know one is enough like i have a personal account that i don't touch you know i never you know it's just i've just abandoned because there's just too much Mm -hmm. and so yeah like and and this business venture this idea is you know it's just going to be me and my friend Bryn initially. So it's just, it's, it's two people and I will, I'm not going to quit my day job right away, you know? And so it'll have to be kind of small and mighty and kind of grow from there. So you mentioned a few of your guests that you kind of like ran these ideas through and might want to be part of, were those all complete strangers before you interviewed them? Yeah. That's amazing. (laughs) <laughs> yeah <laughs> isn't that fun though that, no like, it I, is fun it's amazing so i i you know the way i meet my guests for the podcast is i i i either um just do some research about people in sort of the mental health world or empathy world and or i find them on instagram and i dm them or email them and i i've had very good luck people just saying yes and I and I I think it's because of the platform. I think it's because people like the idea of talking about empathy and having the opportunity to share their story. Like that's that's an honor for them, you know. And um, and then you know I I try to just keep in touch with people, you know, as as things go. And and uh, yeah, and you know, so for someone like Lindsay Mack, who has become like a huge name in the world of tarot and you know has one of those little blue check marks on her instagram (laughs) like she you know she's huge now but she also very much believes in my mission uh, which is great it's exciting um 
But I think, yeah, that just comes with like connecting with people and connecting authentically, you know? After we get off the call, I'll tell you my, I have like one exciting connection that happened. We connected so well on the podcast and then something else happened, which I'll share soon enough, but, um, I'm really excited. Nice. The podcast, I mean, it really is really neat because before I had the podcast, like, I'm like, when I had my first book come out, I'm like, hey, you want to write a blog post? Because my book's coming out. And they're like, no, I'm busy. But I'm like, you want to be on my podcast? And some people are like, yes. And I'm like, oh, that's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. I think, I, I think it's, a, it's an easier commitment to be on a podcast because you just have to show up. Mm-hmm. Is there anybody you've pitched where you're like, oh man, they said no. Or is there anybody you pitch and you said yes. And you're like, holy cow, that's bananas. Well, I don't want to jinx it, but I, I don't believe in jinxes. So I'll just say, um, well, I, I have pitched uh, Brene Brown's contacts a couple of times. And I'm going to continue to onslaught them with my feely emails <laughs> um, until she says yes. So they've said no, very politely. Oh, they've said no. They've said they've said not at this time, like she's busy. Yeah. Uh, Gretchen Rubin uh, responded and said, hey, like, I, I love what you're doing, uh, but I just don't have the time now. Mary Andrew, uh, who's amazing, like she actually wrote like a three or four paragraph response to my email to her and said like, oh my gosh, I love this idea. I love what you're doing, but I just... I'm like all podcasted out. I'm working on a book. I can't do this right now. And I said, yeah, absolutely. I totally understand. So those were the, the, the no's, um, but they were very polite, all very polite. Notes. Every no I've gotten um, has been so nice <laughs> so far. Great? Yeah. <laughs> For the people who've replied, yeah. <laughs> not everyone's well, replied. And I think that probably speaks to the way you pitch, right? The way you reach out to them, you know, I think that's an important part of it. Um, and then, the the yeses that are are still pending at this point, but I feel very confident that they'll happen. Uh, Will Wheaton, like um, from Star Trek? Star Trek, yeah. seriously, <laughs> yeah. So I I'm supposed to reach out to him in June, uh, reach back out to his contact, but his contact basically said like, "This is awesome, I love it." Will wants to do this, but he's writing, he's finishing up a book right now. Reach out to me in the summer. Oh my gosh, uh, and then. <laughs> And then the same thing with Nora McInerney from Terrible Thanks for Asking. I don't know who's that person. A big, oh, she's amazing. Um, she's on Twitter and Instagram at Nora Borealis, I think is her That's handle. That's a cool name. And, she, and then she has uh, the podcast uh, Terrible Thanks for Asking. It's amazing. Okay, I'll have to look her uh, up. But the same situation there. They're like, yes, we want to do this. We were actually setting it up. And then she had to go on like a bunch of, you know, a book tour um, she had a great book, two great books come out recently, but, um, yeah, so those two sort of yeses that will happen, I feel very confident about, and that's exciting. That is exciting. Yeah. And then I, I guess another very exciting one is Jennifer Niven, who's one of my favorite, uh, YA authors, uh, who was a three-time guest on Joy Sandwich. Uh, but she's like, she has a huge community of followers, and a very, you know, very just passionate fan base. And I'm actually driving up to LA to record an in-person one with her uh, in a couple of weeks. So that's exciting. So you're in California. What part of California are you in? Or are you not? I'm in, uh, I'm in Orange County. Oh, okay. So I'm in Southern California. I'm, I'm basically an hour's, hour drive south of LA. Okay. Yeah. So we're in opposite ends. It always makes, it's always bizarre to me that, like you're in America, but you're like behind me. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. I know, right? Like when you interviewed your guest, I mean, I was napping, but before when you were interviewing <laughs> your guest at my time, I was eating breakfast. <laughs> right. Yeah. Where can people find you? And um, like where on the internet? And you already kind of talked about what you're doing next, but like, is there anything people should take, like keep their eye or ear out for? On Instagram is like the big one at Yumi Empathy. Uh, Twitter at Yumi Empathy. We also have a Facebook uh, community, which is awesome. I did not um, know that. Just, just called uh, Yumi Empathy uh, podcast community. Um, and then uh, my way, my main website and where you find all like the show notes for Yumi Empathy is knownwells.com. It's N-O-N-W-E-L-S.com. 
one L in Wells. Oh, I didn't know that either. <laughs> yeah, that's a common. Again, uh, all my life, it's like first name and last name butchered. <laughs> that's so interesting. Why didn't they yeah, add that so, extra L in there when they made your last name? <laughs> I, yeah, I know. It's because you always see it with two L's. But my Wells is actually Austrian. There's a, there's a city on the border of Germany in Austria called Wels, and it's W-E-L-S, and that's where, that's where the name comes from. Interesting. Have you been to Germany? I have, and Austria, yeah. You've done so much more traveling than you. <laughs> you've been <laughs> on fishing boats, and you've been overseas at school, and yeah. Well, <laughs> you know. You got your whole life ahead of you, kid. <laughs> Woohoo! I'm a young 35. <laughs> That's right. Well, now you got kids in tow. It's a little harder when you're traveling with kids. It is free to travel yeah. with a kid until they're two, but we're a year in already. So I think we might not get um, that liberty. <laughs> well, once they're like in their, once they're like walking around, have a little agency, they can be fun to travel with. I thought you meant like once he's little and walks around, he can have his own agency. And then. <laughs> <laughs> His own little creative agency. Oh, yeah. and he'll hire us to be like his minions. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really appreciate you being on the podcast, and I really enjoyed hearing what you had to say. <laughs> well, thank you very much for having me. It was fun. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. If you liked the episode, please subscribe, or even better, leave a review. It makes iTunes really happy and hopefully makes them share this podcast with other people, which would make me really happy. If you have any ideas for topics to cover or for people you'd like me to interview, please email me. My email address is in the show notes. And thank you again. Have a great day.